You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show, as well as my other podcast, How to Stand, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com. There you'll find episode guides, as well as additional reading, more exclusive content, tons of great stuff. And never miss an update, an album review, interview, etc. by subscribing to the free newsletter, howtostand.substack.com. You could also become a paying subscriber on Substack, and that means you're supporting an independent creator and become part of a community, howtostand.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Hi everybody, welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. My usual reminder first, I listen to literally hundreds of new releases, check out hundreds of new music videos every month, and really, really take it very seriously, trying to use my objective music critic brain as much as possible to really work hard to review and rank these picks. So if your fave didn't make the cut, sorry, 20 slots is actually a very, very slim margin compared to all the content I consume every month. So if you think a certain release deserves more love because it was really unique, well, in the grand scheme of things, amid everything I heard the past month, maybe not. Trying to be an objective music critic, but I really do respect pretty much all artists. Please know I'm not coming for your fave or whatever, or dissing them by leaving them off the list. And if you don't hear about your fave in the top 20, stay tuned, because at the end of the episode, I'll share a ton of honorable mentions. With that disclaimer out of the way, here is number 20, best release of April. Be first, Betrayal Game. The last newest song was really cheerful and colorful, kind of simplistic, classic pop song. Betrayal Game is the reverse. It's rugged, it's dark, it's edgy. The video is dark, but it's really good. The bass hits hard. It's just so catchy. And it's an interesting way of talking about love, too. Like, hey, let's just play a game. Let's play the Betrayal Game. Better to have loved than lost, than never love at all. What do I have to lose? It's worth it anyway. Number 19. J.O. 1. Yolo Konde. This song is just truly everything. It has so much going on. It starts out with the crowd cheering, the sound of the engine revving up. Then they go 11 out of 10 energy level, EDM, rap, mix, with lots of sound effects, ad-libs, vocal changes. I love the humorous way they suddenly drop their voices really deep before the beat drops. And sometimes with a song with such full, high-energy choruses, there can be this frustrating disconnect between the pacing of the, the verses compared to the choruses. Not the case here. They manage to keep it 11 out of 10 energy the entire time. So the transition between parts of the song is not rocky. It's not really there. It's just one fast-paced ride. Really impressed. Number 18. Niju Asobo, which means let's play. This is beyond adorable. It's like if a CGI DreamWorks movie was paired with a comedy adventure film for Hallmark or something. It is so cute. Basically, their jungle-themed board game comes to life and enter this cute animated world. They go in and out of it. And they keep talking about and encouraging each other to say the magic word, asobo, their way of saying don't take life too seriously. Say the magic word and let's go play. Super, super adorable. Niju also have some really sweet reminders in there. Like, quote, I take a difficult task and treat it like a game. When I overcome it, I give myself an award. Other cute motivating messages about stopping to enjoy life and how to cope with stress it's a great time to release this song, too, before final exams and stuff. 
Number 17. Ayumi Hamasaki, nonfiction. Okay, first of all, J-pop stands. Doesn't she look just like a grown-up version of Garni Delia? Like she's Garni Delia's mom or something. They look so similar. Anyway, I just had to get that out of the way. This song is very classic, almost second-gen K-pop-esque. So for fans of Just Go by Reina, Joel and Sai, we love to hear it. It's got a nice dramatic build-up, an extended intro, kind of a, an evil laugh of sorts during an unexpected pause in the music, very anthemic, and the video is interesting because it hammers home what she says in the lyrics about what you have concocted as your reality, what do you consider true versus made up about you, about other people, who are you judging and why, and the video shows this party scene and this hot pink scene. In the party scene, time is kind of frozen at one point, but in the hot pink scene, things magically appear and disappear. So because some supernatural forces are operating in both scenes, you have to guess which one is reality, or neither, but which one's fiction or nonfiction. So the videos help amplify the song's theme in a really fun way. Number 16. Meme Tokyo. Animore. I am so impressed with this pair of songs, even though it's just a pair of songs, and an unnecessary, but I guess welcome, remix of the first track. But both are just very one-of-a-kind and stand out to me really clearly. If the first track is a bit too much, sonically overwhelming, check out Overnight. The second track is a little less hyperactive and more just a fun, catchy pop sound. But the first track is... I love it, but I think it is an acquired taste. But I do think just objectively, the production of it is really impressive. The way they mix Charlie XCX style hyperpop with rock, lots of guitar riffs, some screaming, some intense emotion, emo pop, distorted, unpredictable, almost computer game-esque in a good way, video game-esque maybe, surprisingly enjoyable rush. I just can't say enough good things about it. Maybe it takes some time to grow on you, but it's worth the wait. Number 15. Very, very. Series O, round 3, whole. Ming-Chan said this album's theme revolves around Hello Darkness and talks about how over time they've kind of had to learn both how to escape darkness and how to accept it. That they're going to face these struggles, but they also want out. Both literally for their supernatural storyline and figuratively. They also helped write and compose quite a bit of this album, and Undercover is a notable and title track worthy title track, because it's kind of Latin hip-hop, it's definitely different for them. The best song is Emotion. The EDM beat just goes off. Childhood is very cute and sway-worthy, it ends with ballads, then there is the vibey moment. Shout out to Jimmy Brown, who worked on that, great artist. Their most impressive vocal delivery is probably on Candle. Then there's Coming Over with another great EDM beat. All around an impressive release and a very suspenseful but to be continued video for Undercover. The members start out going through this portal, entering like this other world. Then hands are reaching out to them, horror movie style. And the shadows that reach toward them, we don't see what happens. Video ends before we know what's going on. Also seems notable for later, the sign they see multiple times in the video says, No Devil Lived On. Number 14. Mian with her debut solo album, My. 
She really shows off her unique, beautiful, delicate voice through this album. Her unique color as an artist compared to G-Idol. Although she did work with Yuki, Yuki actually gave her a couple of song options she had composed. The one that Mion eventually chose was Rain, but there were a couple Yuki helped her with. She has this kind of understated presence on Rose and Softly, but there's a nice dramatic pivot on Te Amo, which is probably the best song on there. Then she goes back to kind of lower tempo vibes, so it's a nice rise and fall, track list-wise. And she said this release is overall meant to be kind of a good luck package to people starting new chapters in life. A nice theme to be ambiguous enough for people to personalize the album interpretations they come to, but specific enough so you get how each song is related to each other. One last thing about this, how many outfit changes do you guys count in the drive video? Because this is like almost a Blackpink level of outfit changes maybe. I counted like six or seven in the first like minute. All really cute stuff though, but wow, what a fashion show. Number 13. Wagamama Rakia, Gravity Game, with the number four in place of the letter A in both Gravity and Game. Honestly, I have gone over and over and over in my head, wondering how to articulate why this song is so good, and it's really hard. It's just one of those songs where it really goes off. It's a rock kind of pop song, but it's really intense, but also pulls back before it can ever get too intense. Very loop-worthy. You've just got to check it out for yourself. And trust me, it is very, out of all the songs I listened to this month, to stand out amid the sea of music I check out, very notable. Number 12, Bull 4, with her new mini-album, Soul. As usual, wrote all of the songs herself, and it's a really easy listening, springtime vibe. She said actually she was going for that springtime easy listening vibe and the winter coldness, the thawing feeling of coming out of difficult times. She first came to Seoul when she was 20 to study music, and so this album is her way of reflecting on both the nervousness and negative emotions, concerns, and the excitement she felt those first days in Seoul. There are lighter love songs, like Love Story, but also really deep, serious context, like in the mirror where she's talking about very low self-esteem and coming out of it, learning to love herself. What Makes Us Beautiful covers some similar territory. Star, which although it's the last in the track list, was actually the first she wrote that she used to kind of process really raw feelings and basically said it created the template for her to create for the rest of it. Basically, Soul, the album, would not exist without Star, the song. I also just must say, although not much happens in the music video for Soul, it's worth seeing because I think red hair really suits her. And that floral dress is so cute. Just saying. Number 11. Misako Uno. All Appreciate. This is such a fun J-pop album. It has some really fun pre-releases on it, like Candy, Smile Peace, but then new, fast-paced fun. The best is probably Landati or Boon. That's a classic dance pop one. There's a fun beachy guitar session vibe on Shall We, some ballads like Orange, and the final track, I'll Appreciate. Quite a variety here. And I must just say, the funk the peanut song will never get out of my head. The video and the song, I have no idea how to describe it. It's so indescribable and weird. 
in a way I don't know if I like or not, but it is very attention-holding. I'll give it that. Number 10. Egoist Gold. This anime rock artist song is another classic for them. The video is so trippy, so visually consuming to watch. But even if the video is too much for your liking, the song is just really, really well done. The lyrics to Gold are really good. Really great message about trusting your gut and just taking on the challenge of the day. Because at least even if you are confused and nervous about the unknown, at the end of the day, you'll still have this inner core of strength and uniqueness worth sharing with the world. Your story is your own. Don't let anyone else take it from you. Number nine, Big Bang Still Life. Really excited to hear them tap into the 70s, 80s rock nostalgia sound, taking the current rock-influenced sound of K-pop releases and yet making it sound like they're not hopping on a new trend. The opposite, they're going back to a classic. The video is really interesting too, telling the story of four members and the four seasons they represent. This is one of those videos where, to the casual viewer, it might look frankly boring. But if you know the member's backstory, or at least are willing to try to read into things like the quotes in the background, the color scheme, you'll realize the video actually had a lot of thought go into it. Like I say in the episode all about G-Dragon, he has rainbow hair and his umbrella is also a rainbow on the inside. It's a black umbrella on the outside. That's what the rest of the world sees. He's also at points in front of signs saying things like that our times are coming, wrong way, road construction ahead, that you could also read into the meaning of deeper. Top wears this bunny mask while he's trapped in this snowstorm of sorts that somehow happens on the moon. The earth is seen behind him, so he's kind of trapped in winter and feeling like an alien. Lots to read into there, especially as he sings about trauma. Rabbits do play a role in some Asian folklore. And also Top's birth year is the year of the rabbit, so. Last thing I want to shout out is the lyric, The seasons pass staining red and bruising blue. Maybe a nod to the song Blue in there. They have a couple of other potential references to previous songs in there. Number 8. I've Love Dive. It's clever. This release is called Love Dive as in, like, diving into love, the pool of love. But also, dive is the name of their fandom. It has really interesting echoey harmonies, and a video that's really fun to watch of this magical castle. They've got this cool Alice in Wonderland, one prom queen, and then went to boarding school wardrobe. A really aesthetically stunning video. They also have impressive choreography during the dance break. And I also love the B-side, Royal. Very synthy, sassy, and a couple of the members actually helped make the raps for it. Number seven. Little Glee Monster, Journey. This album reinforces why they were actually one of my first J-pop loves. First J-pop groups I got really, really into. Because they had these beautiful, harmonized vocals and individually. A very full sound, often with piano, orchestral arrangements, iconic collabs, like with Earth, Wind, and Fire, Pentatonics. They end this album on a high note with Wonderland peak little glee monster with sing-along quality but also percussion strings it's so full and goes with the music video which is like kind of like a visual tour through a scrapbook a very cute aesthetic for a very charming group they have moments where like i said before they're one of the kind voices steal the show 
like the acapella, at least in the first half, Kamito Iriba, complete version. Then there's Come Alive, which is a piano ballad. But then they have more fast-paced, pre-released songs like Hurry Up. It's a great mix and a great way to reinforce this group's range and not just among, but within each song. Number six, Moonbyo, C-I-T-T, Cheese in the Trap. This is really becoming super, super common to have this rock-influenced pop, this punk sound in the world of K-pop. But boy, did she turn it into her own quirky spin-off of that. Really impressed with how she personalized the trend to herself. Really, really interesting. Even in the build-up with the teasers. Because the first concept film shows her in a cafeteria. She's alone. The lights go out and a golden piece of cheese she finds in a locker. Takes it in Indiana Jones style. Sirens go off after she does. Concept Film 2 shows this tutorial video that this professor, Dr. Moonbyul, is giving this lecture about how to take the cheese. And now it's not literal, it's a metaphor for kind of how to woo your crush and to lure them in. And it's super over-the-top, super goofy, super sitcom-esque. Step 1, she says, is a cheesy smile. While you quote-unquote accidentally drop a flower and pick it up and put it in their hand, like, oh, you dropped this. She's acting out these demonstrations on this mannequin, by the way, which adds to the just goofiness of it. Step two, she says, is into the trap, where she says, don't say something, do something. And that's when she grabs a chainsaw. There's also an interesting flash of the Vitruvian Man image, which is just funny because I just did my K-pop Times artwork episode talking about a reference to that in a CLC video. So just funny timing to see that pop up again at an unexpected moment. Anyway... Step three, she says, is teach a sweet word, which she does so by yelling right at him into a microphone. And then there is step four, the last bite, where she puts on lipstick and smooches this mannequin all over his face. Then in the official video, Moonbeal plays this nerdy character who is basically being controlled, like in her brain is Dr. Moonbeal, like controlling the knobs and levers to dictate her actions and is controlling it while she watches and rewatches that tutorial video about how to woo this guy on her TV screen. The only downside to the video is that we don't really see if it was successful. It would be funny if she has this realization during the video of, oh, I guess this trick only works on mannequins. The chainsaw in step two is a little early. She just gives herself this glam, preppy meets rock makeover, and now rules the school. But you never see her actually get with a crush. I mean, it's pretty common in K-pop to avoid having the love interest actually there in the video, but come on, for this premise. But it is such a fun song, very well done. It's kind of like computer game music meets this pop-punk sound, so it's very quirky. And I really hope the video gets a part two, and Professor Moonbeal has some future appearances. Number five, Taeyeon and Wanstein, Love Theory. I spent the whole first half of a recent episode talking about all things love theory. The lyrics, the video, in general, why I admire Tan so much. He's one of my favorite performers, period. I really elaborate a lot in the first half of an episode called Love Theory of Relativity. It's part love theory based, part headline roundup, but the first half is all things love theory. So check that out wherever you get the show. 
Also, it is linked to on my NCT Talk page of the website. So just go there for the full rundown. But it's a super cute video. Even the promotional content for it is just adorable and really quirky. Number 4. 17, Darling. I spent a lot of time talking about this one on 17 Talk Volume 8. The episode is called Darling, so you can check that out wherever you're listening to this episode, wherever you subscribe to my podcast, as well as the 17 Talk page on my website. I did a whole episode diving into the lyrics, the meaning of the teaser trailers, parallels they're showing between the Power of Love era and this new era they are about to embark on, and kind of started with Woozy's Ruby at the start of the year. I explain what I mean in that episode, so I I will just say for now though, just another moment of appreciation please for this chorus because it's just so cute. Dialing you, sorry, darling you. They keep accidentally saying dialing like they're gonna call you and then they're like, oops, sorry, I just meant darling. I should probably slow down and reassess right now. I don't know, I just think the wordplay is really cute. This is a very classically 17 song in the sense that it just feels like another sweet song, but there are always more layers the more you look into it. Number three, Monster X, Shape of Love. This title track is incredible. It is so good. It is a couple songs in one. It's like Monster X took a bunch of their different musical eras and put them in a blender. And we got this jam, which is old school boy band R&B meets Love Killer Vibe meets Gambler Music Video Persona. Just classically busy Monster X art that IM and Juhani do have credits on. They also worked on Wildfire, which really showcases Juhani's rapping. The pop ballad near the end of the album, definitely the sister song to stand up. And it fittingly ends with the song and letting everyone's vocals shine. So in the songs, it seems like one member at a time shines, but in the end, they all shine. Number two, Dreamcatcher, Apocalypse Save Us. This, as well as writing my guide to Dreamcatcher for paying Substack subscribers, really helped boost my appreciation for them, my admiration for their storytelling. You can catch up on that in my music video universe theories on the episode called A Guide to Dreamcatcher. This new chapter is really interesting because it clarifies a lot about their storyline and adds to it some confusion in a good way. Because it's always been before a purple portal that takes them to another dimension. Or more often, they struggle to access that portal to get there. This time it's a blue portal that takes them to different places, but then they also, at the end of the day, all stand in front of a purple portal. There are also pink ones, so I think there's just more and more universes opening up. And it really helps amplify the message of the song, the title track Mason, which is French for home, by the way, which is all about reminding everyone, hey, we should fight for us. This us is collective. We all live on this planet together. That's a lot smaller of a world than you think. We are very interconnected. What we do affects each other. Let's save our home. This isn't about just saving some other cause for people unrelated to your daily life. This is your struggle too. Let's help each other through this. It's a really compelling, not talk downy or technical or boring way to spread a message about the climate crisis. And they keep saying in the chorus, please someone fight for us. And they're saying that about everywhere. The polar, the ocean, the desert. No matter where you come from, you are part of this us. They continue to show off some impressive variety. They wrote seven of the 14 tracks and each member got a solo. 
Plus the variety is really nice. It alternates between synthy, retro, disco vibes, kind of disco dance pop, on Starlight, Together, Cherry, Playground. Well, I should say there are actually three main categories of songs. Those disco dance poppy vibes, the synth pop. Then they have the more fast punk sound on Beautiful, No Dot, and Mason. Then there are the ballads, slow songs, like Always, Winter, and Four. Drumroll, please, for number one. Suho, Gray Suit. There is so much I love about this release. It's so much more than what meets the eye and the ear. First of all, music video-wise, it's a really cool contrast because the gray suit video has a lot of still images and is very just somber, contemplative, and uses still frames to tell the story of the song. But then you have Hurdle, which is so high energy and fun, and kind of trying to paint a negative in a positive, spinning it around in a humorous way. And so that is a cool contrast because the Hurdle video is just full. Very active, busy, lots of action shots. A guy who looks like he got his hair done at the, the Whoville hair salon. A lot of quirky, funhouse type effects in this colorful, anything but ordinary office building. It's a lot of fun. Then there is the contrast within the songs, but they all center around the core theme of time and how different it can move depending on the context. Each of the self-written songs describes this grayness spreading through his life, but there are also shifts of sunshine, and being happy with shades of gray in life is the overall takeaway. Themes of finding shades of gray and thinking about time are present throughout the lyrics. Some examples, in gray suit, I'm not used to this new color, lost its warmth. I'm walking through the pale hours, the light and colors I took for granted. While I was thinking about the time, this gray is spreading sorrowfully throughout my memory. Suddenly the frozen minutes melt like a miracle. In hurdle, in spite of quick footsteps, why am I slow? Time is still. It's like a hurdle. You're not by my side, but I'm running now. I'm trapped in time, endlessly for no reason. Even if it's the same place, I'm running. I really gotta run this over now. Then there's the song Moment. The time that felt long and tiring. Beyond the stop time. In Bear Hug. Take your time. Come back to me slowly. I'll be here for you. I think he's referring to sand from an hourglass when in Morning Star he says, An island that slips through the gap between my hands leaving me at this time that's over. You get the picture. What I think I love more than anything else about this release is actually what I wrote about on Substack a while ago, which is the power of books to open your mind and get you excited about things you didn't know you were excited about. The thought-provoking nature of reading and the ways that K-pop artists bring other pop culture into their pop culture, their music, is always so exciting to me. That's why they did the whole Fade to Blackpink series of episodes, breaking down movie references in K-pop. That's why I do the BT Study Guides and RM's Rec series about book references. It's why I did the K-pop artwork reference guide episode. And now we have a new addition to book references that I love because then I read the book the K-pop artist was inspired by. And I just love thinking and reading <laughs> and new thought-provoking book discoveries. So... Suho said this whole premise of Grey Suit was inspired by the novel Momo, which actually the girl group Momoland is also thought to have taken their name from. 
Plus, Momo has been kind of redone for different shows over time. The Korean show, My Lovely Samsung. The Japanese show, A Girl of 35. Sailor Moon had an episode like the plot of Momo. It's a really profound book that I'm so glad I've heard about and read now. Momo by Michael Endy, also called The Grey Gentleman and The Men in Grey, and the full German title is Momo or the Strange Story of the Time Thieves and the Child Who Brought the Stolen Time Back to the People. That is a mouthful, let's just say Momo. The story is about this girl, Momo, who lives right on the outskirts of this city, just amid ruin, amid rubble. She can't read, she can't count, she's an orphan, she's very poor, she doesn't know her age. When asked, she thought-provokingly says, quote, As far as I remember, I've always been around. She really fascinates the locals, because she seems to have some sort of superpower. You can go to her and she will have advice for you, or provide comfort. She provides something, people love visiting her. They start recommending you visit her to each other. Hey, why don't you ask Momo what she thinks about that? But really though, her superpower is just listening. She's an exceptionally good listener. And that's all these people want, is someone to truly listen to them. So she really helps out the community, but she is perplexed by them. The locals fascinate her because they are very obsessed with time, with saving time, with getting places on time. Life is full speed ahead. Remember, this came out in the 70s, so it feels like a very weird premonition, predicting how hectic our tech-fueled, rapidly changing lives will become. There are these creatures, they're not really human, but they kind of, sort of are human-ish, alien-ish. They have gray skin and gray clothes. They're called the Men in Gray. They work for this thing called the Time Savings Bank. So they basically want to sell you a little bit like a timeshare presentation. They want to sell you something. Basically, they want you to invest in them. And what they want is your time. So you invest your time like a currency, like you would invest money into their bank so that you can go retrieve your deposit later when you need it. This is a nefarious group, though, because later we find out that the time you put in their bank, they take and use for themselves. They're greedy about it, and they actually turn the hour lilies, as they're called, the physical materialization of your time, into cigars. And these cigars are like sustenance. These weird alien guys survive on other people's time. People become kind of obsessed with this service, giving all their time to this group. Reminding me of the Eric Fromm quote from the RM's Rex, I believe it's the fifth one. Something along the lines of a quote saying, people are so obsessed with saving time, yet when they do, they don't know what to do with it except kill it. That's kind of what happens here. So all time wasting over time, it becomes these citizens' obsession to get rid of it. They stop sleeping, they stop daydreaming, They stop doing anything artsy, creative. Their lives become more and more similar as their creative endeavors go by the wayside in their quest to become the biggest time saver. No one said this had to be a competition, but basically time is money in this analogy. And everyone wants more money than everyone else. It's about greed. So now people live very, pretty much identical lives. And they're in a constant rush. They never stop to slow down and enjoy anything. The people in this story, they actually don't have any memory of the men in gray. They just remember they are obsessed with time now. They know about this newfound mission to save as much time as possible to give to the bank. But they do not keep their memory of the actual men in gray. They don't know what's happening to their hour lilies. 
Momo throws a wrench in the men in gray's plans because she is the antidote to the jaded, go-go-go, rushed mentality of the adults in the city. Kind of like that dynamic between the adults and the little prince in that short story, where she has that still inner curiosity, patience, and wants to slow down and just enjoy life. So she thinks these people are nuts to be so obsessed with time and then not enjoy it. Time and time again, the men in gray try to stop her from being a counter-argument to their customers. They don't want her influence in their heads. They don't want her influencing their mindsets. Their plans don't work, though. Long story short, Master Hora stops time. Momo has a full hour to stop the men in gray once and for all. But that's it, just one hour. She ends up following the men to their lair, locking them inside their own vault. Eventually, they run out of cigars in there and basically die. Interestingly, when there's only one man in gray left, he begs for the hour lily that Momo has. He begs for her time, but she refuses, and then he succumbs to his demise and says, quote, it is good, it is over. So he realized his existence was not a good use of time. He was not making the most of life anyway. With just one minute to spare, Momo reopens the vault and releases literally millions of these hour lilies that were stashed there. Time resumes as normal. The citizens get their time back, having no idea an hour of their life was just frozen, and now they have learned a new lesson. Lots to take away from that story that we could talk about for hours. Themes about time, priorities in modern society, curiosity, and who truly listens to other people anymore. How easy it is to be sold, swept up in scams and enticing offers to make your life better. Burnout in society, stopping to learn from each other, other lenses too. Some actually analyze it in terms of Buddhism and other religious beliefs. Some view it through an Italian cultural lens. So many different ways to read it, but it's quite profound. Highly recommend. And if you're still not convinced, here are a few thought-provoking quotes that I just love from it. Quote, there are certain treasures that kill you if you can't share them with others. Quote, the children learned these new games, but unlearned something else in the process. They forgot to be happy, how to take pleasure in little things, and last but not least, how to dream. I want to share so many more, but just for the sake of time, I'll leave you with this one. If you want me to go on and on more about this, feel free to comment on this episode. Quote, people never seemed to notice by saving time, they were losing something else. No one cared to admit that life was becoming even poorer, bleaker, and more monotonous. The ones who felt this most keenly were the children, because no one had time for them anymore. But time is life itself. Adds a lot of interesting context to Suho's lyrics and music videos, and is just really worth thinking about. Whenever there's a book or movie reference in K-pop, I like it more, I appreciate it more, because it is what art is all about influencing other art, taking from other art, and adding your own commentary to it. Really well done and shows a lot of care and thought went into this comeback, so well done, Suho. You can hear more of my thoughts about the top 20 in some writing coming to howtostand.substack.com later this week. So subscribe for more. In those posts, I will also link to playlists so you can check out all the videos and songs that I talk about today. I also include honorable mentions in that playlist. And although each video I will link to a playlist for on Weebly, on Substack actually, if you're a subscriber, you'll get the embedded video links directly in the posts. 
And I do make my best of the month posts free, by the way. So you can just get a free subscription and check that out. Alright, let's pivot to honorable mentions in no particular order. Onu with the new album and video for Dice. Okay, first of all, let's appreciate that he said the key word to sum up this album is hope. I'm touched. In that he really leaned into the SMCU connection with his hotel concierge outfit that had the says weekend boy on it, most likely a nod to Taeyeon's song weekend. He also does a nice job reviving that married to the music, shiny music video vibe exactly what he has overtly said he set out to do with this release, which is find a middle ground between Onu and Shiny. And that's what he did, a mix of both. It's a very trippy, fun music video that I don't want to give too much away about. He actually was such a perfectionist working on this album that he pushed back the release a whole eight months. That's a big deal by any standards, but especially in the fast-paced world of K-pop, extending a comeback eight months that's almost like quitting your career part way through. Really big deal, but he really respects his craft too much to put out a release before he thought it was ready, which I also really admire. Suren with Ray. This is a really intense, headbang-worthy rock song that I really just can't put my finger on why it literally rocks, but it does. Not a dull moment. Millet, Walking in My Lane. If you have read my Substack essay about her and have listened to this show pretty much ever, any best of Roundup, you know I think beyond highly of Millet. I think she has such a way with words. She has such a way of distilling complex emotions into poetic lyrics. She says a lot with a little. Like in this new song, we can't go back, but we can go far just in so few words, finds ways to speak volumes about the relationship she's singing about, her desires, her emotions, and she knows how to use her powerful voice to create a certain mood through her song. When to pull back for a dramatic pause, when to sing straight ahead without stopping, how to play off of the instrumentals, how to work more instrumental layers into the song as it progresses, just masterful at what she does. I'm not going to say Walking in My Lane is the most inventive of her work, or the best, but it's another wonderful one that really is just true millet style, really well done. Psy, Psy 9th. I am so freaking excited that Psy is back after such a long break. I know he's been busy, like, running a company or whatever, but I really missed him. And it feels so significant, not just because, of course, Suga from BTS is on the song that that which feels like a big cultural moment because Psy really exploded with Gundam Style and now another artist who's really exploded onto the scene, BTS, teamed up with Psy. So that would be major anytime. But especially this year it feels really cool because KCON started in 2012. Ten years later, two people who have done some of the most to spread K-pop globally are teaming up. It just feels so massive and worth reflecting on as well as how many times Suga might have done a music video he didn't want to, because he said in a behind-the-scenes clip, I just thought I was working on the song, and now Psy tricked me into starting in the video. Relatable struggle when Psy makes you do a video. Lots of other iconic collaborations, too, with Jesse, Hwasa, Crush, Hayes, and he also teamed up again with the co-writer of Gundam Style for You Move Me. 
It is time for Sai to reemerge. I've always said he's perfect for the TikTok era, the social media era. Let's give him this spotlight once again. Yoon Ji Sun Miro, aka Maze. He said he found inspiration actually from the movie Call Me By Your Name, as well as just realizing as he worked on it, the repeated theme of many colors in flowers made the title track title, Bloom, pop up naturally to him as he was working on it. Bloom is actually his first song that he wrote for himself and was originally a city pop vibe. He made it more dance pop, but he hinted the city pop OG version might come out someday. Fingers crossed. Another highlight is Summer Drive because Lee Dae-hui composed it. The album is interesting because it has a lot of Yoon Ji-sun's classic emotional ballad-y flavors to it, while also being kind of laid back and easy listening. A mix of pop and sad music. A pop boost to sad stuff. A team-up of three Thai artists from Nadeo Music. Bilkin, PP Crit, and For Eve. Who we who? As the title would suggest, this is a really cute feel good song. And they perform on a beach and at the pier. It really feels like it has sitcom theme song vibes. Really, really fun. They're so happy, rocking colorful outfits on vacation together, singing that catchy hook, hooey hooey hooey, in a very approachable song for people new to Thai music who want to give it a shot. Add that to your vacation playlist. It's got really cute lyrics about, should I trade my happiness for yours? Like giving trades. Like instead of trading at a pawn shop, money or belongings, they're trading feelings. Really cute lyrics. And just when you think it can't get more endearing, they have a really cute blooper reel at the end. So, Novelcore featuring Ale the Shoda, Happy Tears. Side note, if you're new to Novelcore's music, definitely check out his work with Sky High, an iconic duo. Whenever they team up, watch that. Second of all, this is a great road trip song. Super fun and feel good. Piano focused, sing along ready, and very just feel good because it's about turning your sorrow into, like it's called, happy tears. So instead of singing na 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 like no 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 everything's going wrong, they twist it to be na 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 like you're singing and swaying to a song that goes na na na. Funny wordplay and just a really great song. I Chillin', Bridge of Dreams. After releasing a few singles that I thought were okay, they really impressed me with this album. It's very cute and it shows them really creating a unique aesthetic sonically and visually for themselves and make their previous singles feel like good building blocks that led up to this. Gaia is really high energy, but it tees up for an even higher energy song Fresh to follow it. So it's a smart tracklist order that allows you to revisit their previous singles and see them in a new light, and be more impressed than you were before. One Plus One is a cute kind of guitar and piano layered ballad, and then there's La Luna, which is definitely for you if you loved Love in Space by Cherry Bullet. Also, there appears to be this sort of new subgenre of K-pop video, which is Giant Cat. And that Giant Cat does roam in the Let's Play Hide and Seek background. Kwon Eun Bi, Color. She has a very one-of-a-kind concept with this release, where she's sonically and visually showing off the theme of glitching. The video for Glitch shows a lot of glitching. 
And the sounds do kind of too, this interesting breakdown of electronic sounds, like things are malfunctioning, but in a melodic way. Piano mixed with like computer game sounds, but then she has slower songs like Speed of Love. Off really helps her voice shine, gives it an appreciated spotlight, away from all the, the trappings of this concept. But she really does have quite a unique concept here that she executes really well, just sonically and visually very aesthetic. Meishima Soshi with the album Yet. This album is great for both K-pop and J-pop fans because it's kind of like Zion T meets Yoshiki Izaki. Mostly slower R&B vibes, but also hip-hop, some more pop-leaning sounds. It's quite a mix. The Party Ready Blackout, that is probably my favorite song. Very fast-paced and fun. Although I guess if anything should be a universally agreed upon song of the summer from the album, the biggest crowd pleaser is Fly. And then there's the City Pop vibe of So Far, a song that does that thing I love with the sound going in one earbud and then out the other literally, like it goes from your left to right ear. Love that. And at the end with Mir, he does show, hey, as much as I love playing around with electronifying my voice, there's some raw vocal talent underneath it too. Red Velvet with the new Japanese album, Bloom. I talked about this a bit because I was breaking down all the easter eggs in the Wild Side video for the episode called Feel My Rhythm in Glitch Mode Theories. That covered the latest in the SMCU. But the rest of the album is here and worth appreciating. There are some other previous Japanese singles on here. Cookie Jar, Sappy, Sayonara, Swimming Pool but also some new songs that continue to show that Red Velvet can pull off a concept that doesn't fit into a box of here's another cutesy comeback or another edgy comeback. It's not in that binary. It's a unique to them concept. Not everyone can pull off showing their delicate vocals, but mixed with like trap beats, hip hop influences, high and low registers, just so many layers and flourishes of orchestral arrangements, inspiration from classical music, truly one of a kind. Really, ever since Psycho came out, it's been just next-level, classically them. Plus, they sampled Bach on Feel My Rhythm, and now they sample the Nutcracker for the song Marionette, which is a great title for a song if you're a super SMCU theorist as well, and if you are, you know why. Cause It's You is a nice, cute, slow song, but the other new stuff is definitely J-pop, very fast-paced, bold and confident. It seems like they show more of their sweet side for the K-pop stuff, and for J-pop, they turn into the bolder side of Red Velvet's image more, so lots to love about this release. Epex, with Prelude of Anxiety, Chapter 1, 21st Century Boys. They took a lot of inspiration for the title track and video from George Orwell's 1984, which I talked about already in an episode of RM's Rex, Shameless Plug, Lots of meaningful world building here. It actually, though, at first drew controversy because the crystal references were thought to refer to the riot during the Holocaust, but actually the book, 1984, has a key symbol being this crystal paperweight, this prized possession of the main characters. And when the party members try to arrest the main character, they break his symbolic precious paperweight. So that's where the crystal reference comes in. But they did edit some of the Crystal Knight lyrics to avoid the comparison. So now the song is about Crystal Light, to be more clear. They really are covering some important topics and have really meaningful commentary. 
They also have this interesting ebb and flow because songs like Burnout feel like they're burnt out, devoid of energy, and then it's replenished again and again on songs like Strike every time they relight this spark within them. The official description of the new title track, Anthem of Teen Spirit, says, quote, A song that points out and warns of the harms caused by the robotical education system. The Night of the Crystal expresses the realistic life of teenagers, used as a metaphor for the images of children in competition, in the windows of the numerous academies, lit up brightly like crystal every night. A lot of new, interesting remixes have come out this month for Taeyeon's I Envy You, Vivi's Bop Bop, but I honestly think the catchiest remix is Everglow, the pirate remix from Rehab. The Monster Exxon in the pirate remix, Rehab is really having quite a good K-pop month. He's in the zone with K-pop. Sheena Ringo's song Too Good is really, just really fun. It's mostly just her and a piano, and it sounds almost kind of like a jovial burst of improv. Feels very spur to the moment, like she just walked up to her piano and decided to burst into song. I have been loving the series of releases Daybreak and Lucy have teamed up to work on. The answer was good, that was released at the end of March, but their April collab is even better. Oh eh? Very catchy. There are some new performance videos worth checking out. Alexa has once again raised the bar for American Song Contest, giving us an improved version of Wonderland. In the C-pop group Name, well this was at the end of March, but still plugging it here, released a Red Shoes performance video. I really think they need to change their group name, because it would make it so much easier to see them pop up on social media. People, let me be their PR person, please. I think they're so underrated, and I could help boost their visibility, just saying. B.O. has a new single out called Love Me, which is really, really fun and fast-paced. It honestly felt kind of meh, 5 out of 10, at first. But now I can't get it out of my head, so that's a sign of a job well done. Kim Hyerim released an album, Your World, and a music video for the song of the same title. And the video is really cute. It takes a little while to pick up steam, but it really is so cute. Love the Spongebob merch. A perfect touch. Definitely the way to win me over. Add Spongebob to your video. Side note, she's a member of Lime Soda, a super underrated girl group who released the song Wave, such a bop still. DKZ have a new single, Cupid, which has done astronomically well, numbers-wise, compared to previous releases when they were just donkeys, but they rebranded to huge success, so I'm really happy for them because I do see a lot of potential with them finally being realized. Elast continued to lean into this dark, broading demeanor on Roar. Well, actually, they have a really dramatic, rugged persona in the first half, with the orchestral intro and the creature music video. But the songs later in the album are more soft, emotional, so it's quite a ride to listen to. And Desire brings to mind to me Do 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 by Tan, which is a good thing. DKB continue to impress me by how much they are really creating a very unique group identity. They're becoming classic DKB, and I'm really glad they included a previous release, Roller Coaster, on here, because now Roller Coaster feels classic DKB. As I'm listening to it, I'm like, this is a DKB song, which is a really cool thing when an artist starts releasing music where now it feels classically them, a huge marker that they've solidified this identity. And they really do continue sonically to branch out. 
There's a unique mix in this new title track, Sober, of a trap beat and a flute, and it's really interesting. The angsty rock remix is also worth checking out. And Getaway is the most, just I guess you could say, typical pop song, which isn't a bad thing. And shout out to Mabus, who wrote it and continues to release bop after bop. The new boy band from AB6's company, Unite, is really, really cute. They are so energetic and happy and adorable, and in their videos, there's so much color. It's such an inviting presence. Really cute stuff. The intro is especially good, really draws you in, gets you excited for the title track. And I got the feeling, great for fans of After Midnight by Astro. Just B released Just Begun. Ironically, a conclusion to an album trilogy, the Rage Trilogy. Just Begun is overall just a more interesting, suspenseful release than their previous ones. There's just more to it, more fullness. I think this rock vibe they're leaning into on some songs is really good for them. Shout out to Doyum too for the writing credit on Reload. And Banks said actually that their next era is very related to this one, and seemed to hint when he said that, that the next era for them isn't that far away, so they might have a quick turnaround comeback. Just a theory. Sorn continues to really thrive as a soloist on Scorpio, a really personal song that I love the lyrics for about even broken diamonds are still flawless, they're still diamonds and talking about frustrations, trying to listen to herself, but all she hears is noise. A really artful way to describe very relatable disappointment, but it's also a pick-me-up talk to herself simultaneously. She's just a very interesting artist, and the video is really, really beautiful. Just lots of galaxy scenery to look at. Ghost 9 are really intriguing with their new album, Arcade 5. It's funny, actually, they didn't really mean to name the album Arcade as in, like, a place you play games, but Arcade as in, like, arcs, plural, like, a bunch of arcs, a bunch of arches, which I just thought was really funny. It's more EDM-focused of a release than I expected for them. Champion, definitely for fans of P1 Harmony, and actually, they revealed Champion was gonna be their title track. The name, not the song. They were going to name X-Ray Champion, but instead named the song that is now Champion Champion and named the title track X-Ray instead. I like to keep this show pretty positive, not focus on any worst of lists, but I do have some kind of anti-recommendations this time, like I have a couple times before. Just want to put a little disclaimer on checking out certain releases. There are three videos I saw that were exceptionally frustrating or concerning. First of all, Ha Hyunwoon has released some videos that I'm just... They're meant to be like horror films, with a slowly creeping sense of dread overcoming the character as they have to run away from a slowly moving sinister giant blob and other weird phenomena, so I'm the world's biggest baby about that stuff. Very easily unnerved, so there you go. And then there's Elo with his new video for Falling Dreams that really makes me nauseous because I'm such a baby and it's so ugh to watch because everyone is just falling through the sky for like a solid four minutes. It kind of messes with your head to watch, makes you dizzy, and is waiting for it to have more of a plot. That moment never came. Relatedly, I have been hyping up literally for months Kane Daniel and Miyavi's collab Hush Hush, truly one of the best songs of 2021. 
and I thought it would surely be worth the wait when the music video finally came out. Well, it's finally here, and frankly a disappointment. That song is so cinematic, and the video just didn't reach my, I guess, maybe too hyped up expectations. There just was not enough of a, a plot to satisfy me. If you're gonna prolong the release of a video, I better tell as I watch the video, okay, I see why this was, it needed extra time here. It better be really remarkable. Still a great song though, but the video was disappointing. Similarly, Vapo and Loco's video for Gone made me keep wanting to yell at the screen, she's right there, because he's like wandering around this party looking for this girl who's right there. And I get that's the point of the song. I'm just saying, purely from a music video viewing perspective, so frustrating. I really just want to yell, she's right there, turn around. Finally, when he does see her there and approach her with a flower, they sit down to reconcile, and we don't see that reconciliation. The video just sort of ends, and we don't know if their relationship was patched up or what. Very unsatisfying conclusion. Hopefully it's a to-be-continued thing. As for my favorite miscellaneous releases in English, Spanish, etc. this month, Anita's new album, Visions of Me, is it. It is so what I was looking for. It is just it. It's really unique, but I must admit, I just think Boys Don't Cry was an instant classic. So much of what I love classic traits in a really good timeless pop song, really really good. Still one of my favorite songs of hers, especially now that we have a new collab version of sorts through Miley Cyrus's live album. Yes, she released a deluxe edition with the Anita collab, and I'm living for it. Jesse Page continues to be an underrated emo icon with Preach. It's a self-produced video, go show her some love, and the song itself is just very raw and powerful and catchy. And lastly, Charlie XCX clearly heard me when I said on this show, used to know me as one of the best songs on the album because she gave it a music video. Constant repeat next, please. Thank you, Charlie. That's all for me today. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always, and I will talk to you all again very soon. Lots of surprises in store, and always remember if I'm kind of slow on the podcast feed, I'm not on Substack, or vice versa. Something's always in the works, so stay tuned. Bye, everyone.